This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Coming up at 3.30, the great Dane Brugler from The Athletic will join the show to talk all things NFL draft, talk about his draft guide, The Beast. If you're a subscriber to The Athletic, you can download it right now and get all 300-something pages. Man, I mean, he literally has 50 defensive backs profiled. Just 50 defensive backs alone. And when I mean defensive backs, I really mean just corners. Not even talking safety, he's talking corners. I mean, the dude does so much stinking work when it comes to the draft and the breakdowns. And, man, it's one of my favorite draft guides to get every single year. So he'll talk about that. He also released a seven-round mock draft today, uh, and he did it for the Raiders as well. He did it for every single team. So uh, we'll talk to him about that. That's coming up at 3.30. In just a matter of seconds, we're going to get into cover three. But before we do that, I want to go out to the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200 and go out to a place that I know very well. My man Rick is in Visalia, California. What's up, Rick? Welcome to the show. What's up, Q? From the Central California. Yes, sir. 559? Yes, sir. Down here. Um, so, I was listening to you, listening to the pod every morning. Love it. But definitely my first listen. Let's do it every day. Um, nice. You're talking about what we need, though, and what we're worried about. All this, <laughs> everything we have, Devontae Adams, Waller, Jacobs, Carr, Renfro, it's cool, but if you don't have an O-line that can block, none of it works. Mm-hmm. That's my main concern. They need to literally go out. They, and looking at Carr's deal, they, <laughs> he said he took a team-friendly deal, which there's room. They should go out and find somebody or trade for somebody. I don't care if they trade the house. They need to go get someone to block for him because it's not going to work. None of this is going to work. If he's on his back... Am I wrong? No, no, you're right. You're 100% right. I, I agree. They need to make sure that that offensive line is stacked. Uh, it's got to be on point. If it's not on point, it's going to be a problem. Exactly. It's, uh, I played offensive line in high school. There you uh, go. Well, sign up then, baby. Stuff. Sign up. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, oh I, I, I didn't even make it to college. I'm only 6'1". Oh, yeah, I got you. <laughs> no, absolutely. But, yeah, it, uh, they, need to, they need to go out and sign somebody make a trade for somebody. I was all over Morgan Moses. I can't believe they didn't go out and get that guy, but the right side scares me. Right. So, uh, hopefully, hopefully that, that's my that's my pitch. Hopefully they uh, go do something before, uh, it's probably going to happen after the draft, I'm guessing. We'll see. Okay, good stuff. Good stuff. Definitely appreciate you. Uh, that's, yeah, that, that offensive line, that, that right side is what, you know, where my area of concern is at as well, and I thought Morgan Moses was a good idea. I just think that he just got paid more money than they were willing to spend. I mean, I think it's really bottom line. I, I have to feel like that that was uh, an ideal pick that they would have gone with. But uh, he, he just I think that he got more money uh, elsewhere than he did or than he would have with the Raiders. So uh, thank you so much for that call. Hold it down to Visalia. Visalia. What you know about Visalia, California, man? Not a thing. <laughs> I'm not, point it on, couldn't point it out on the map or nothing. I'm not mad at you at all. Thank you for that call, though. I do appreciate you. Now let's get into cover three NFL news and notes of the day. 
It's time for Q's Cover 3, NFL news and notes of the day, here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Of course, we're coming to you live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. One to get in, Sammy Watkins. He met with the Packers this morning, and then he signed a one-year deal with the Packers. So Sammy Watkins is getting a deal worth up to $4 million with the Green Bay Packers. And it's funny, our guy uh, Jordan Schultz, who's joined the show multiple times, he put out a tweet, the Packers lose Devontae Adams. And we'll try to replace him with production with the fourth overall uh, of the same draft. Adams was taken in Sammy Watkins. Watkins caught 27 passes in 13 games last season, and they're giving him almost $4 million or up to $4 million. But Sammy Watkins is a good number three, maybe number four wide receiver. He hasn't been a number one since, I mean, really, he's barely been a number one even when he was drafted. I mean, he he was in that same draft as Khalil Mack. And I remember uh, the mantra that I had going into that draft was Watkins, Mack, or trade back. That was my theory because I thought that the Raiders really needed a big-time wide receiver, and I knew Khalil Mack was good. I honestly thought Khalil Mack was going to get taken by the Texans. I thought they were going to avoid the Jadavion Clowney hype train, and they were going to take Khalil Mack because he was a better player. But they didn't. And so anyway, so going into that draft, I remember kept saying Watkins, Mack, or trade back for the Raiders. And Watkins was taking... Uh, the pick before before the Raiders had an opportunity to pick. Matter of fact, there was a trade up to go get him uh, from the Buffalo Bills, uh, and, and I just I thought okay, I thought when the Bills traded up, they were going to get Mac, but they decided to go with Watkins, and the Raiders went with Mac, and I thought, man, that's a that's a win right there. <laughs> that's a that's a big time win if they're gonna they're gonna keep him around. Uh, he's a hell of a player, and then obviously ended up being he was a lot better player than Sammy Watkins was then, and and is definitely going to be now. Real quick, I went to go look at that draft because you said that mm-hmm. other receivers that could have been taken. Mike Evans. Yep. Odell Beckham. Yep. Brandon Cooks. Yep. Allen Robinson. Yep. Jarvis Landry. <laughs> There's a whole lot of good. <laughs> and then there's Sammy Watkins. He just was not that guy. I mean, I remember he, him playing well at Clemson for a time, but when he played against big time competition, I think Florida State game really stood out to me. He didn't, he just didn't look like that guy. Uh, but he had good hands, and you thought that he could, you know, he had the potential to be a, a, a real deal dude, but injuries and just not. Not performing up to the level that he was supposed to uh, kind of derailed that. So now the Packers got him. So Sammy Watkins is now a member of the Green Bay Packers. Let me go over a couple more signings. How about the Lions signed Deshaun Elliott to a one-year deal? This actually happened yesterday. Uh, he's the former sixth-round pick of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, in 2020, he played 16 games, and he could be a, a, a key contributor. You know what I mean? I don't think he's a, it's a big-time signing. It's not like, okay, all of a sudden the, the Detroit Lions and any of their defensive issues that they have are solved. But I thought he was a pretty serviceable player. So I thought that was a decent signing by the Detroit Lions, who obviously they're not in a position of, hey, got to go win right now. They can continue to try to build that and put some smaller pieces together with some bigger pieces and try to see what they come up with. Uh, the Jaguars left tackle Cam Robinson. He signed his franchise tag. Uh, that's $16.62 million fully guaranteed for 2022. Second year in a row, he's playing on the franchise tag. So he's going to get the 16.6 this year. Uh, he got the big-time guaranteed money last year. The team now has till July 15th to work out a long-term deal with Cam Robinson. If they don't, I mean, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. If he ends up playing on that one more time, I mean, he can end up going the Kirk Cousins role, if, I guess, if he wants to. But uh, I think that at some point, somebody's going to give him a big, big-time deal. And I'm not too sure Jacksonville's had plenty of money. I don't know why they haven't just gone ahead and taken care of that. Are they trying to test them again? Or That's a good point. You know what they saying? spent the most on guaranteed money this offseason. I mean, think about the money they gave to Zay Jones. No disrespect, but just think about the money they gave to Zay Jones. Think about the money they gave to Christian Kirk. Whew. I don't know. That's interesting. But we'll see what happens. Maybe they just want to see him 
go out there and prove it again. And then who knows what they'll do after that. But then again, if I'm Cam Robinson, I might not even want a long-term deal in Jacksonville. Or maybe they shock everybody and bypass Aiden Hutchinson and take the offensive lineman out of Alabama. Alabama. Yeah, Yeah, Evan Neal. That's a a possibility. It really could be. Um, They have so many areas of need. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? They have so many areas of concern and need. Right now, they're that team that they'll throw a bunch of money at you. So if you're just trying to get a payday, that's not a bad place to go. Now, if you want to go win, that ain't the place to go. But if you want to just get paid, and some guys do. And again, like Zay Jones earned his money. I mean, he worked his tail off. So I'm not mad at him. And I hope he has all the success in the world. I'm glad that someone offered him a deal like he got, but it just wasn't going to be the Raiders. And so, you know, shout out to him for getting paid. But, man, I'm sure he's going to look back and be like, damn. <laughs> I sure did like the environment there at Allegiant <laughs> Stadium, man. It sure was fun playing in the playoffs. Ain't going to have to worry about that. Uh, the Seahawks, they're, they're a team that I've been thinking maybe they're going to go out and make a move at quarterback for Baker, who's not doing himself any favorites, favors at all. While he's just kind of making himself look more and more immature every day in the in the media. Thought they could possibly make a move for Kaepernick. They haven't done any. But they did finalize a one-year extension with Geno Smith. Geno! He's like the gift that keeps on giving for the Seahawks. What do they see in Geno? Stability. He knows the playbook. I guess. Presence in the locker room. That's fine. But the deal that they're signed, they agreed to is a one-year extension worth up to $7 million? That's a lot of money for Geno Smith. Now, again, it's not $7 million, You know, it's not that. We all know that. We all break it down all the time. So who knows exactly what he's got to do to earn that $7 million? But that, to me, just one of those that made me scratch my head like, for real? Drew Locke better be looking over his shoulder. Drew Locke shouldn't even be the quarterback. He should be looking <laughs> over his shoulder anyway. He's no good. Geno's no good. Anyone they have on that roster at the quarterback position is no good right now. Nobody. I don't know what Pete Carroll's doing. If I was Pete Carroll and I was the Seahawks, I honestly would take a, a, a chance at, uh, at signing Cap. What do you have to lose? You have Drew stinking Locke and you have Geno Smith. I'm a, I, I'll take a chance with Cap, see what he can do. At least bring him in for camp. I would. Draft's right around the corner. Who's the guy there? Hey, buddy. Uh, Sam <laughs> Exactly. You don't know. Got you don't know. Beat. Are they going to make a trade with uh, the Cardinals for Kyler Murray? Hey, man, you see that new report? Yeah, I'm actually going to get to it right now. The Cardinals have not made a contract offer to Kyler Murray. His agent informed the teams weeks ago that he's willing to pull his opening proposal off the table. So teams are monitoring the situation, and Arizona says he won't be traded. But what do you think? I think that Kyler Murray, he's standing strong. I think it's, he stands to make $5.5 million this year if he plays on his current deal. And he's like, no way, man. I deserve more than that. I don't know what pulling the initial offer off the right. table is going to do. Right. I mean, I'd still keep it on that, the table. That might be what he needs to do, pull it off or come back with an offer that's a little bit lower. Oh. <laughs> Maybe that's what he needs to do. Maybe that, that first offer is not really, you know, reality. Because like we see with Baker Mayfield, who's shown his immaturity, and yeah. some people are yeah. kind of putting those same tags on Kyler. No, they are. Where it doesn't matter if you're a number one pick. doesn't matter that you made the Pro Bowl. doesn't matter that you took the team to the playoffs. They yeah. are looking to replace quarterbacks. The window on quarterbacks now, Derek Carr, he's the longest tenured quarterback in the AFC. And it's yeah. basically amazing. Second in the AFL or in the uh, a- a- in the NFL, excuse me, behind Aaron Rodgers. Because it seems like your window for a quarterback now is three years. It's like, but hey, I've been pretty good. Yeah, but not good enough. Maybe we can try to get somebody that's better. Right, no doubt. Well, the Cardinals say that they want to extend Kyler Murray eventually. Murray said, I'm not really too worried about my future as a Cardinal. But with two weeks until the draft, there are no negotiations. Other teams are watching. A situation to monitor. And if you think about it, there's four quarterbacks 
that are in the uh, that are in the forty million dollar club that's been negotiated: Rodgers, Watson, Stafford, and Derek Carr. Yesterday, and really, we all know that the new money is forty million dollars, but really, it's like thirty five million uh, when you look over the life of his contract. Murray, like you mentioned, five point five in twenty twenty two is what he's supposed to make. Yeah, I think Deshaun Watson got maybe elevated some other people's uh, standards. I know he was we asking all said for that, a new right? deal. Mary, we all said that. Yeah. When, yeah, yep. He was asking for a new deal before that, but I think he's probably looking at himself like, I want something close to that. And the Cardinals aren't ready to give him that. Like, I'm just sorry, hold like, on. I, I like to say this, man. I'm not a greedy dude when it comes to money. I mean, I'm really not. I know I sound greedy at times. That's fine. But I'm really not. I don't mind spending money. The wife doesn't like it. She's very tight with money. You know, that's why she's in charge of money. But I'll say this. I'm not the greediest dude in the world. I really am not. You know, like I didn't even negotiate my money when I came to this job. It's just like, here, here's your offer. Cool. I'll take it. You know what I mean? Like I probably should have negotiated, but I didn't. That's fine. I'd be a dumb, terrible free agent. I promise you, if I saw the deal that the Browns gave Deshaun Watson and I'm a quarterback and I mean any (laughs) quarterback in the league that's worth the salt, I'd be like, hold the hell on, dog. Come on. Him? The way that his name is bad, uh, as bad as his name looks right now, and I get it. You know, hey, he's not being charged criminally. I get it. But sometimes perception is reality. And what do they always say? Uh, conduct detrimental to the shield. Mm-hmm. His name is bad right now. Also, he's never won anything. And he's never won anything of any kind of substance. He just hasn't. So if I'm any, a quarterback that's worth assault, I'd be like, look, man, that dude might be a little bit better than me. But he ain't better than me, if you know what I mean. You know what I'm saying? Like, I pull that card. I'm fine. That's fine. That might not be fair. That might be being a jerk or ugly about it. I'll be an ugly jerk. I'll be an <laughs> ugly jerk. Some say I'm an ugly jerk anyway. <laughs> do you think what Kyle Murray just thought about this, do you think his size has anything to do with maybe them being a little skeptical? Because I'm They to drafted think, him! But I'm thinking, like, what's the they, hold It's up? not like they were rewarding him. They know he was 5'10 when yeah. they drafted him, I know. But I'm like, what's the hold up then? You know... Kyler's a little short. He was short when you drafted him. <laughs> but there's got to be something that, like, uh, he hasn't proven enough. What more does he need to prove? I don't know. I don't know. But this is the nature of the beast. I mean, this is what happens. Quarterbacks are going to get paid. And if I'm Kyler Murray, I don't care what he's won or hasn't won. I'm looking around the league like, hey, man, I'm just as good at least as that dude. And, again, I would pull. I would bring the Deshaun Watson conversation to the, to the table. I would. I know that that's not cool. And like we always say, don't count the next man's pockets. That man's pockets, I'm counting. I don't care if it breaks every bro code out there. That's fine. I would have a real deal problem with that. Like I was asked in an article from Barrett Sports Media. I was asked this by someone when the whole Deshaun Watson thing happened. They said, as a program director, if you had the opportunity to bring in the best radio guy that you that is out there, like one that you've looked up to your whole life or whatever, you know he's the best of the best. He's going to get you ratings. They're going to bring in a ton of revenue. Your station's going to win if you bring this guy in. But he's got all this baggage. What would you do? And I literally had to think about it because selfish, I'd like say, oh, well, he's cool. He didn't do it. He's okay. But in reality, how could you have the, the stones to say, yeah, I'm going to bring this guy in, even though there's... Everyone here in the building, there's, you know what I mean? Like, that's just, that would be a disrespect. So I said, I would have to take the L. You know, I know that, he, that he's not being charged criminally, but how would I feel bringing this dude into a, a, a situation working here with men and women, and he's got all this hanging over his head? Sometimes the play that you think is the best play ain't the best play. Sometimes you got to take the L to get the dub, if, if, if that makes sense. That was a question I promise you. It was asked to me about five days after the Deshaun Watson news went shook out.
and also back to Kyler Murray, where it's just, oh, it, maybe if it's like, hey, he's been like faltering towards the end of the season. You extended the same coach the who's coach been coaching too. him. Yeah, the coach has too. I'd point the finger at him like, yeah. Obviously, he's doing something good enough. Why am I not? Right. Now, I don't agree with Kyler Murray scrubbing his social media. I think that's childish, you know, and so maybe that's part of the hangup. Maybe the immaturity that they talk about. I, okay, if that's the issue, the immaturity, fine. Fine, that's fine. If that's the reason, cool. But don't give me that the dude can't play because there's one thing we know about Kyler Murray. The dude could play. 319 is the time. We'll come back, take a couple of your calls, and we'll get to our guy, Dane Brugler from The Athletic, talking all things NFL Draft. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Give me your best. What's up, Raider Nation? This is uh, Hall of Famer Tim Brown. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. What's up, Raider Nation? This is Hall of Famer Tim Brown, and you're listening to Raider Nation 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. The NFL just released 21 prospects to attend the NFL draft. Coming up April 28th, 29th, and 30th here in Las Vegas, of course. 99.9% 99.9% of these guys are going to go in the first round. There may be a couple that slip to the second round, but that's very rare. The ones that they usually invite are the ones that are going to be selected early and often. But I'll give you the names of the 21 that are going to be in attendance in a little bit. We got Dane Brugler from The Athletic coming up at around 3.30 to talk all things NFL draft. So a little bit after that conversation, maybe to close out this hour, I'll give you the 21 prospects that will be attending the NFL draft. 21 guys that we'll have an opportunity to talk to leading up to the NFL draft. Very excited about that. But first, let's go out to the Rare Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. Let's go out to Arizona, talk to our guy, Sal. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hey, Q, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. I'm, uh, giving, I'm giving uh, the Raiders offseason so far a grade of A. And the reason why I'm giving that grade is because it has nothing to do with the O-line, it has nothing to do with safety, but the complete vibe of this organization changed over just a few months from the end of the season to when they hired McDaniels and Ziegler. There is just a vibe. There is a buzz, not only in the building, but at your radio station, all your hosts um, around the country on various sports shows, TV, radio, there's a complete buzz about the Raiders being a legitimate contender. And as Raider Nation, we've been starved for that kind of attention, the positive attention. So i got to give them an A for this offseason so far. Once the games begin, then we can tweak it and say, well, they should have done more for this side of the ball or that side of the ball, and maybe we downgrade it a little bit. But for right now, on April 14th, 1964, uh, 19... Uh, <laughs> 20, hey, it's, well, it's, 20, it's 2022, brother. <laughs> you know, uh, it's my birthday today, and I was born in 1964. That's why I got that on my mind. There you go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that. But for 2022, April 14th, 2022, I give him an A. I love it. I love it. Sal took us back happy to birthday. the... Happy birthday, brother. That was awesome. My man said 1964, and I, you know that 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 uh, that sound. You, er? <laughs> I was like, "What the hell?" But no, I like that, man. I like that. Good stuff. Happy birthday and great call. And you know, that's the one thing I could agree with you 100. percent The vibe around the team nationally is a lot different this so far this off season than it has been in a very long time. 
Uh, I've gotten an opportunity to do some national radio for ESPN, and I'm telling you, I'm almost one of the most popular, not not hosts, but guests. Because when they want to talk Raiders, it's like, hey, let's talk Raiders. That's cool. That's fun. Whereas it, before, I was like, oh, gosh, I talk Raiders. You know what I mean? It's like they're enjoying talking Raiders because there's a lot to like about what the team has done. And the front office, everyone that I've talked to feels like the front office is very legit. And that's not Raider fans. That's people that have been covering the NFL like John McClain. I mean, he's he's even given the Raiders front office uh, two thumbs up as far as the respect that they have around the league. That means a lot. That means a lot. It really does. I was a big fan of Gruden and Mayock. I was. I was happy when Gruden returned, and I was glad when Mike Mayock got the job. But they never had the respect nationally outside of, you know, the guys at NFL Network that were rooting for Mike Mayock, of course. But, you know, really nationally, they never had that respect. Most of the time, what you heard was, oh, there's a couple guys, a couple media members that are trying to run a team. That's what you heard for the most part. Let's go uh, real quick. Let's talk to our guy, Stove. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, Stove? Hope you're cooking. <laughs> What's up, Q? I'll make it quick. Listen, uh, you asked the question, what is the grade so far? The only grade you can give them is an A+. What have they done this offseason? The exact opposite of the Gruden administration. Instead of getting rid of the best defensive player on the team, they extended Max Crosby. Ding. Then everybody in the world knew that they wanted Devontae Adams, but when it got a little hot in the kitchen, they backed off and let Green Bay come back to them, and they gave up two picks that are over with this year for the best receiver in football. Then they have the quarterback that a lot of people like, a lot of people don't like, and what did they do? They got him to sign a deal that allows the Raiders to sign more players, and they're not committing to him forever. They've done everything right this offseason, and sure, they still need to build the right side of the offensive line. But when you say so far, that tells me this front office knows that between the draft and maybe what happens when other players get released, they will go after the right side of that uh, offensive line and solidify that. The pickup of Brock, Brock Yassin that goes right with uh, bringing in Chandler Jones was absolutely genius. And, and this is a team that will compete for the AFC Championship. And just one more thing really quickly is they certainly should have beaten Cincinnati. They certainly could have beaten Tennessee, but that Raider team last year would have got destroyed in Kansas City. So anybody that thinks that they were a couple plays away from the Super Bowl, they were not. But looking forward, I'm on board. Let's go. Nice call. Hey, man, nice call. I like that from Stove. He's brought the heat on that one. And yeah, I agree. Uh, The Chiefs were just a bad matchup for the Raiders last season. They were, I mean, you're right. They would have boat roast them, raced them. Yeah, that word. (laughs) That word. They would have got them. They would have got them in a major way, man. The the Raiders just did not have, um, they didn't have the goods to run with the Chiefs last year. So you're right about that, but uh, still should have beat Cincinnati. And uh, I do like what you're saying. And again, uh, I can understand where you give them an A plus for everything that they've done. Um, I I still give them a B plus because I'm still concerned about the offensive line, and this is the only thing I'm saying. And I did say so far, but I think that that should have been probably a priority, and maybe it was, and they just didn't get the right guy. But every reason that you just rolled out for what they've been able to do has been and is spot on. So we definitely appreciate that call. Thank you so much, and make sure it's not your last call, man. That was good stuff right there. Continue to let us know what you think about the Raiders grade. What the Raiders grade. You feel like they've gotten in the offseason so far. 69187, keyword R&R. Coming up next, Dane Brugler from The Athletic. He's going to talk all things NFL draft. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. 
Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Coming up at the end of the month right here in Las Vegas is going to be the NFL Draft. Very excited about that. We've been doing a, a big-time countdown to the draft each and every day here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. And to help us continue with that is Dane Brugler from The Athletic. He is the author of The Beast. It's a massive guide. If you're into NFL Draft and the prospects like I am, you've got to get it each and every year. You can find Dane on Twitter at DP Brugler. And Dane, thank you so much for your time. And before we really get rolling, I mean, The Beast is fantastic. It's something you put out each and every year. I know a lot of folks like myself look forward to it every year. That's a ton of work that you put into it. How much really goes into putting and breaking down all these draft prospects that you have in the beast? No, it's, it's a year round process. Um, and someone asked me to, you know, how many hours you think you put in? And I, I, I mean, I really don't know how to answer that because it's, it's something that I work on 365 days out of the year. Um, I, I've got plenty of notes for next year's uh, class, you know, because <laughs> it's a never ending process. Um, you know, the goal is, it, you know, you want to find out as much as you can. These, these players, these prospects are, you know, they're, it's like they're puzzle, puzzle pieces. And, and, you know, each little bit of information is a different puzzle piece. You want to put all these pieces together uh, to get a more clear picture of who this player is and what he's going to be in the NFL. So uh, if, if it's as simple as finding out when he, he started playing flag football when he was four years old or the fact that he played lacrosse in high school or the fact that he had one offer out of high school and it was to a Division two school and he walked on uh, where he went. You know, all these pieces of information are, are to me, vital to not – to just, you know, it's one thing to look at the tape and – and break down what he does on the field, but understanding the background, where they come from, that helps us tell where they're headed as well. So it's it's a labor of love. It's a year-round process. Very, very excited to share it with everybody. Would you say that there is a, a, a position that is the toughest to evaluate when it comes to the prospects? Yeah, I, I think that for me, and, and I'm sure other people will answer this differently, for me it's safety, um, just because so many different safeties are asked to do different things. Um, you know, with where they're lined up, with where with, with what their keys are in terms of what are they reading? Um, and, and, you know, it, just each scheme is just a little bit different. So you can see a guy has range. You can see a guy has ball skills. But understanding his mental process from the safety position can be a little bit difficult. Um, even I mean, when you're obviously when you're, you're scouting safety, if you're watching the all 22, you're watching the end zone view. To, to see, you know, based off what the quarterback's movements are, what's the safety doing, um, you know, route combinations. How is the safety reacting? So it, there's so much that goes into it that it can be a little bit difficult at times. And that's why, you know, you need to be watching seven, eight game tapes to really figure these guys out, to understand the scheme, to understand what they do best. Um, and it could be it could be difficult at times, but that that's part of uh, you know that that's I enjoy waking up every day being able to do that. And we enjoy the uh, all the facts and all the nuggets and all the details that you drop in detail. Uh, like I said, in the beast, it's fantastic. Check it out each and every year. Again, we're talking with Dane Brugler from the Athletic here on Unnecessary Roughness Raider Nation Radio. 920. And when it comes to the Raiders this year, I've been looking at the draft in a totally different way because, well, they don't have a first or second round pick after the trade for Devontae Adams, which I'm sure all of Raider Nation is fired up about that. So now we're looking at all kind of later round guys. So how, how deep do you feel this talent pool is, uh, you know, later rounds? I think it's position by position. Um, for example, Ed Drusher, 
to me is the strongest position this in this class okay. deepest uh from top to bottom it doesn't matter what round you're picking in there's going to be an edge rusher there that gets you you know excited about what he could be so edge rusher we're going to see these guys fly off the board in the first round second round third round but there's still going to be some some talent left on day three so that that's the first position that comes to mind um, I think that, you know, each position has their own kind of identity. For example, tight end, we might not see a tight end in the first two rounds mm. in the first 60 picks, but it's a strong tight end class in rounds three, four and five. That's that's the the sweet spot. If you want a tight end in this in this class, we're going to see plenty of guys off the board in that mix running back same type of deal we'll see Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker come off the board in the first top 50 top 60 but then you know rounds four rounds five you know I just doing a seven round mock on the athletic today uh and looking at oh wow these running backs are still available these guys are you know it's just because there's so many of these running backs but only so many landing spots so I think running back if you want to maybe fill out your your running back room a little bit you don't need a starter you need a complimentary piece you can feel comfortable waiting until the fourth, fifth, sixth round uh, to get your running back. So it's, I think it's position by position. Some positions are more are weaker than others. Uh, quarterback being in there as well. Um, but I do think some of these positions have, have depth throughout. You know, I was checking out your seven-round mock draft that you put out in The Athletic today. Uh, it was fantastic work, of course. But uh, I was checking out the third-round pick that you had in there for the Raiders, and it was Kobe Bryant who went to Cincinnati. He was Sauce Gardner's running mate there at the corner position. Sauce Gardner's going to be long gone in the top five. But Kobe Bryant, I thought he held his own there at Cincinnati. What were your thoughts on him, and why was he? why is he a third-round pick in your opinion? Yeah, no doubt. He he answered the bell. Um, you know, everyone knew about Sauce Gardner, and offenses refused to throw at him. Sauce Gardner saw 11% of the defensive targets last year at Cincinnati. So uh, teams, you know, they they tried their luck with Kobe Bryant, and all all that did was earn Kobe Bryant the Jim Thorpe Award as the top <laughs> defensive uh, back this year in college football. Um, I he, you know he's he's been around college football for a while. He's a, he's a five year guy. Started uh, the last four years, 50 starts in his career. Uh, he's just, he's not a blazer speed. You know, we know corner is a stopwatch position. Uh, and Kobe Bryant, he ran a four, five, four at the combine. He did a little bit better at his pro day, got under a four, five. Um, but he's not this springy big time athlete. You know, that, that's just not his profile. But what does really appeal to NFL teams with him is he's, he has a natural feel for spacing, for mirroring routes. Um, you know, he has a really good, good feel for finding the football, making plays, physical. He, he finds ways to stay connected in coverage. And I, I think when you look at the ball production, 45 passes defended, 10 interceptions in his career. That, that's really what you point to and say, okay, yeah, we, we could use that. A guy that's good. Um, and, and, you know, when the, if you're talking about third round, you're talking about uh, guys that you're going to be able to poke holes in them somehow, some way. That's right. why they're still available in the third round. That's Kobe Bryant, who you can poke holes in him, but still a darn good football player. Yeah, no, he definitely did a really good job there at Cincinnati again across from Sauce Gardner. You know, one guy that I was looking at and, uh, you know, really liked based off of uh, his speed and athleticism was Tariq Woolen. But a lot of people have been telling me that they feel like he's more of a project. What are your thoughts on Woolen, the young man out of UTSA? Yeah, no doubt. He, I think he is a project. That's, that's I think that's a very fair way to, um, you know, frame him. Uh, he's he's rare. Uh, we don't see many guys that are legit six four. You know, a lot of times we see, uh, or maybe not a lot of times, but we'll see, you know, college rosters. They'll list a corner at six three, and he turns out to be six foot and change. And <laughs> Tariq Woolen is a verified over six four 
205 pounds, which that right there has got your attention. 33 and 5 eighths inch arms. Oh, yeah, he ran a 4.26 at the Combine, which is just remarkable speed. But he was a wide receiver uh, You know, when he started at UTSA, made the switch to corner uh, in the last month of the 2019 season. So, really, he made this transition in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, it's obviously uh, it's a tough transition to make going from being the offensive player where you're attacking the defense to all of a sudden you're playing in reverse. You're playing to your, you're, instead of being the aggressor, you're reacting to what the offense is doing to you. And that, that's a big adjustment. So Tariq Woolen, when you talk about the traits, it's really jump out and that's the type of guy you want to work with, but there is still a learning curve there that he needs to get better and, you know, understand some of the things. So a little bit of a developmental project, but he's going to go probably somewhere in the top 75, top 80 picks because uh, those traits are just too enticing. Talk right now with Dane Brugler from The Athletic. He's the author of The Beast. You can find Dane on Twitter at DP Brugler. It's Unnecessary Roughness. Raider Nation Radio 920. And looking at your fourth round pick for the Raiders, you put Danny Gray, the wide receiver out of SMU. And I know he's a speedster. I also know, and this is the kind of the quality I like in him a lot, is the fact that he could return kicks, punts. Uh, he could be that kind of a weapon as well in special teams. Uh, what do you like about Danny Gray as a fit in the fourth round with the Raiders? Yeah, if there's a Darnell Mooney in this class who you know was a day three pick a couple years ago for the Bears and has emerged as a starter for them, um, I think it could be Danny Gray. Uh, you know, Six foot, 190 pounds, legit 4-3 speed, can run by guys. Um, you know, the why he's still around in, you know, the, the fourth round is he just needs to be a better finisher. Uh, you know, he will drop some easy ones uh, that 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 it can be frustrating at times. But I'm going to bet on that speed. I'm going to one thing that I loved about his tape was uh, he, he made plays at all three levels. So, you know, quick, quick the he will uh, snatch the ball and create after the catch. He can work the intermediate part of the field. He can get over top the defense and and win deep. He tracks the ball well. It's just he needs to be a little bit better of a finisher. So when you factor in the, the skill, the speed, this guy has playmaking potential. And to get him in the fourth round, I think, would be excellent value. Let me ask you about another wide receiver I'm really intrigued by. Clemson wide receiver Justin Ross, freshman and sophomore season, fantastic there. Then in 2020, he had that spinal surgery, and that really concerned me. And then he had a foot injury in 2021 that uh, you know closed down his season. Uh, where do you think talent evaluators, teams are going to look at him just because of those injuries he's had? He's going to be off a lot of draft boards, plain and simple. Um, you know, the medicals are going to be a problem. Uh, you know, in, in my seven-round mock, I had him going, I think, in the seventh round. Um, I w- I, that would not surprise me at all where he's going to be off a lot of boards. And, you know, there will be maybe a few teams that w- are willing to roll the dice, but probably not early. So, um, yeah, watching him uh, as a freshman – uh, back when Trevor Lawrence was a uh, was starting quarterback at Clemson, their connection in the playoffs against Notre Dame and Alabama, I mean, this guy was unstoppable. His catch radius uh, it w- was fantastic. He's such a uh, just a loose athlete, so he can make these natural adjustments on the football. But uh, everything hinges on on the medicals uh, with the spinal surgery, with the foot injury. You just wonder is is you know he a guy that's ever going to be able to stay on the field consistently for you? And, and that's that reliability is a big part of what NFL teams look for through the draft. So Justin Ross is a complicated prospect because just the medicals are so heavily involved in where he's going to end up. But, uh, you know, I think he's worth the gamble late in the draft and see what you have. Talking right now with Dane Brugler from The Athletic, talking all things NFL draft. Just had a couple more questions for you. As far as defensive tackles go, uh, Fedarian Mathis is a guy that intrigues me out of Alabama. Where do you see him going? And what kind of player do you think he'll be on the next level? 
Yeah, I think he'll be somewhere probably in that third round. Maybe the if the Raiders went that direction, they'd have a shot at him with their third round pick. Um, 6'4", 310, uh, you know, a big guy. I don't think he's necessarily explosive. You know, that that's not how he plays. But if you leave a gap open, he's going to take advantage of it. Uh, he was second on the team uh, in sacks behind only Will Anderson. Uh, and no shame in being second to Will Anderson right. or anything. <laughs> uh, so, you know, he for a defensive tackle, having nine sacks, that, that's – that's something that's a positive. It's what we want to see. So, uh, you know, he's a big man with power and he's physical, uh, not the most rangy guy, but you, he could play the three. He could play the one. Uh, you can, you can kind of move him around on your defensive front. He's, a, he's got some versatility to him. So I, you know, I, I think Mathis in the third round would be a good value. Final question for you in your seven round, seven round mock draft for the Raiders. You have in the seventh round at 227, EJ Perry, the quarterback out of Brown. Tell us a little bit about EJ Perry. And obviously in the seventh round, it's going to be a project, someone that you're going to try to develop. But um, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, former Boston College transfer, um, 6'2", 210, really good athlete. Uh, yeah, he was an all-around probably he, he could have went and played college basketball if he wanted. Um, he, he, he plays quarterback, and you know the last two years he played for a bad Brown team, but he was a guy that consistently stood out as being a playmaker. Uh, I mean, he was the Ivy League Offensive Player of the Year uh, with what he did not only with his arm but with his legs. Um, he, he's a guy that has that dual threat ability. Sometimes he relies on it a little too much when that first read isn't there. He'll, he'll drop his eyes and look to run and he needs to be a little bit more patient as a pocket passer. Um, but I think there's a lot, a lot to like there in terms of the intangibles, the athleticism. If you're looking for a guy in the, in the late rounds to, to develop, I, I think EJ Perry could be someone that uh, teams look for. At the very end of the day, probably could be a, a decent backup, maybe even a guy that they bring in to use his athleticism for like almost a weapon in the red zone. Sure. Yeah. I think it's very possible. And I, I, you know, maybe he needs a few, you know, some time on the practice squad or, you know, if he, doesn't make the roster out of camp uh but, but i think with a little bit more with a little bit of nfl coaching uh you know i i think that you might have something with them i'm intrigued i am i'm intrigued by ej perry i like that that's on your uh, seventh round mock draft in the athletic of course uh the big piece of work that you put in the athletic was the beast i mean both pieces of work are, are enormous you give us too much nfl draft stuff i mean we're spoiled at this <laughs> point dane but uh you do a great job uh i, I hate to say do you have anything else coming out because it's so much that you already put out but anything else you got coming out in the athletic <laughs> uh you know it, the, the draft guide and the seven round mock that, that's I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take a breather and kind of you know uh kind of focus on talking about those things <laughs> for now but i will have a final mock draft uh next uh or the week of the draft so you know that'll that one will be more for accuracy and try to figure it out but uh yeah for now i'll I'll take a deep breath, and I've I got swim practice and t-ball practice and take care of the kids tonight. Hey, you know what? You deserve it and enjoy it because, I mean, you've been putting in fantastic work, and you've done it for a very long time. Always look forward to the Beast and your seven-round mock draft. So thank you so much for your time this afternoon. I definitely appreciate you, and uh, we'll be looking forward to your work when you drop some more. All right, anytime. Thank you, sir. There he goes right there, Dane Brugler from The Athletic on Twitter at DP Brugler. Uh, great work. Great work. One of the best in the business. I do encourage you to go check it out on The Athletic. It's called The Beast. That's the whole guide. You can drop. Uh, you can see everything. Every kind of person that you could think of, any draft prospect you could think of is covered in The Beast. We just got a text on the Salmon Ash text line, uh, 69187, keyword R&R. What about Zion McCollum from Sam Houston State? And that's a guy that... Uh, Dane had going in the third round as well, I do believe. I have to go back and check, but I think he was a third-round guy. And he's a very intriguing guy. He's a very long guy. He's a very fast guy and probably has a little bit more production than Tariq Woolen does. But um, I 
guys, especially coming from smaller schools, are going to still have to prove it uh, on the higher level. Of course, Tariq did it pretty well at the Senior Bowl, and uh, Zion's getting a lot of love as well. So I think those are both two guys that are going to go probably in round three. So thank you so much for that text. We do appreciate you. 348 is the time. Come back, close out hour number two. This Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. I'm getting excited more and more every single day when it comes down to the NFL draft and everything that's going to be going on. Just got an email from NFL Communications. 21 prospects to attend the NFL draft. And these are guys that, for the most part, all of them will be available right before the draft for us to talk to as some kind of setting. I don't know when it'll be, what time it'll be, or where it's going to be, but this is the kind of access that we get. And I'm not going to go through all 21, but guys like Matt Corral, the quarterback from Mississippi, will be there. Charles Cross, offensive lineman, Mississippi State. He's going to be in the green room. Jordan Davis, the big man, the big defensive lineman out of Georgia. N'Kobe Dean, his running mate, the linebacker. Sauce Gardner, cornerback out of Cincinnati. Kyler Gordon, cornerback out of Washington. Kyle Hamilton, safety out of Notre Dame. Aiden Hutchinson. Defensive end out of Michigan. Zion Johnson, offensive lineman out of Boston College. Jermaine Johnson, DN from Florida State. Devin Lloyd, linebacker out of Utah. Drake London, wide receiver Southern Cal. Evan Neal, offensive lineman for Alabama. Chris Olave, wide receiver from Ohio State. Kayvon Thibodeau, DN from Oregon. Jamison Williams, wide receiver from Alabama. Malik Willis, cornerback from Liberty. Garrett Wilson, wide receiver Ohio State. Devontae Wyatt, defensive lineman from Georgia. Those guys are all going to be there in the green room. So all those names that I just rattled off, all those are expected to be first-round picks or very early second-round picks. Not many expect to be like the Geno Smith effect where Geno dropped and dropped and then all of a sudden he went home before he got his name called. That very rarely happens. Most of the time, they don't even expect him to be in the late 20s. You know, Most of them, they expect to be gone quick, fast, and in a hurry, but there's 21 guys. And maybe by the time the draft rolls around, this happens sometimes, that one guy says, oh, hey, something came up, I can't make it. Or, hey, something, you know, I, I decided to stay home or whatever. Sometimes a guy or two will stay home, and that'll be the end of that. One year, and I forget who, who it was, they're twins. I think they're twins. Not, not um, I don't really want to say it like that. Um, not the one that was drafted by Seattle. Remember my guy that, that um, ah, yes, um, Shaquille, was it the result? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was uh, Shaquille and, and Shaquem. Those okay, those guys. Shaquem was there, and not Shaquille. But one year, who was the guy who was drafted by the Steelers? There was one brother that was drafted by the Steelers, and the other one was drafted by the Bills. They played linebacker. They're pretty good players. Dang it, I forget. Man, I hate the I know, but anyway, the point was one was was asked to be at the in the green room, and the one that was drafted by the Steelers did that. The guy who was drafted by the Bills was his brother, and he came along too. So he wasn't expected to be there, but he got drafted by the Bills pretty early as well. So he came out of the green room too. So that was that was the whole point of that. I just went the long way to get there because I couldn't remember the names. And I hate that, but it happens sometimes. Sometimes the brain freezes up on you. But uh, yeah, there you go. I, I, again, it's a linebacker, and they were, they were really good players. Dang it. Do you know which draft this would have been oh, or man, around like, the time? Yeah, I want to say it was Arlington. It was uh, so not 2019. It was 2018. It was a 2018 draft, which I think was the Shaquille and Shaquem Griffin draft as well, if I remember correctly. I do. As a matter of fact, I know that was the Shaquille and Shaquem Griffin draft because I was walking around when he was drafted. I believe <laughs> all these drafts are running in together now. But 
Man, Edmonds, Terrell Edmonds. That was that was one. And then his brother, Terrell Edmonds, was one of them. And then his brother was the uh, obviously the other one, Tremaine Edwards. Yes, was the first, he was Edmonds. drafted. Isn't it Edmonds or Edwards? Edmonds. Edmonds. Okay, so it's Tremaine and Terrell, right? Yep, yep. All right. So yeah, look, I knew we'd put this puzzle together at some point. Both were drafted in the first round in 2018, right? Yes. Tremaine yes. went to the Bills, and, and Terrell went to the Steelers. And and Terrell was invited to the draft. Tremaine was not, but they were both back there because they came together. And they're like, well, hey, you know, we're we're both going to get drafted, so let's let's both go. And so it was almost a surprise that uh, you know Tremaine was back there and not the other. So there you go. That was that was the story. Yeah, there you go. Now we got a couple people hit us up. That's why I love the salmon ass text line at six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. Terrell Edmonds, Virginia Tech. Yes. And then he said, Watt, bro. No, it's not. It wasn't the Watts. <laughs> but I remember TJ Watt. I remember that draft for sure. Remember when TJ Watt was drafted? Does anyone remember when TJ Watt was drafted? Anyone remember that draft? Does anyone remember where that draft took place at? Anyone remember the year that that happened? That was going into the 2017 season. That was following the 2016 season. If we all remember correctly, the Raiders made the playoffs in 2016, right? So they didn't pick till later. You know who the Raiders picked in that draft that TJ Watt was picked after them, by the way? I'm still salty about this. Yeah, don't answer yet because still, I'm still I'm going to lead up to it with the saltiness. First of all, there's a lot of teams kicking themselves in the backside for not drafting TJ Watt. But the Raiders really could have avoided... All badness. <laughs> the Raiders really could have avoided an issue if they had just drafted him instead of allowing him to fall to Pittsburgh. Instead, the Raiders decided to draft Gary on Conley. The only player from the first round in that draft that is not currently in the league. Exactly. Exactly. Gary on freaking Conley, who had his own issues off the field he was dealing with at the time. That was supposed to drop him out of the first round, but a good old Reggie McKenzie decided he was going to be the smartest dude in the room, and he was going to go and get Gary on Conley. Mm, mm, mm. I remember it like it was yesterday, standing in front of the Rocky Steps there in Philadelphia with my man Mike Gill, who was, has been on this show before. Mike Gill's a great guy. And I remember when they drafted Gary on Conley, Mike looked at me, and I looked at him, and I just shook my head and said, I don't know, dude. I don't know. And to this day, 2022, you ask me about Gary Conley, you know what I say? I don't know, dude. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what went into that. But as you said, the only dude from the draft in that first round, that's no longer in the league. Four o'clock is coming up. <laughs> I got to call myself. Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus, he's going to join us next. Talk about the Raiders offseason. Talk about what he thinks the Raiders still need to do and what they can do in the draft as well. This is Raider Nation Radio. 